Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the first episode of the Resurrected Small Batches. I know it's been a while since I released an episode, so I want to give you an update on what I've been working on before we get into today's episode. I've been building a new Small Batches Slack app. The idea was inspired by my uh, daily Stoic desk calendar, where every day you pull off a little bit of Stoic wisdom and knowledge. I thought that this would be a good way to educate people about, you know, the broad range of topics that was covered on the podcast and is required to do software delivery and product development uh, well. So the idea here is that you can sign up for the app, you can add it to one of your Slack channels, and every day it will post a small batch of software delivery education. Topics include DevOps, lean, you know, manufacturing theory, technical practices, quotes, pro tips, book summaries, recommended reading, everything that you would need to connect the dots between all the topics we cover on the podcast. So if you want, you can sign up for the waitlist at smallbatches.io. I'm currently onboarding new customers, well, more like beta testers. Uh, in the coming weeks. So if you want to participate in that, once again, go to smallbatches.io. All right, let's get into today's episode. Queuing theory is a field of mathematics that describes waiting lines. The math models how long it takes to get through the queue by relating how work arrives at the queue and how work is processed. Don't balk at the math. This applies directly to software delivery because the work we do and the deploys themselves are all part of queues. Understanding queuing theory provides insight into the systems we work in. Now let's consider some example queues. Imagine you're ready to check out at the grocery store. You see different lines of people waiting for different registers. Which do you choose? Probably the one without the family with an overloaded cart and a handful of coupons. How about the line with a single person holding a single six-pack? That feels better, so cross your fingers and hope that you guessed right. This example shows two important variables in queuing theory. The first is how many servers are pulling items from the queue. There's just one in this case, each with their own queue. The second is the variability in how long it takes the server to do the work. We've all been stuck behind that one customer who has problems with the register or needs a special discount. This demonstrates variability's impact on overall performance. The result is that some lines are much faster than others since problems checking out one customer impacts all other customers waiting for that register. Let's consider another example. Imagine you're waiting for airport check-in in one of those long lines that snake throughout the concourse. There's a handful of agents taking the next available passenger. No choice here, you just wait in line. The airport workers notice the line is getting too long, so they add more agents. Next thing you know, you're checked in and onto security. This example demonstrates how adding more servers, thus paralyzing the work, increases overall performance. We already have a term for this. We call it horizontal scaling. This reduces variability's impact on overall performance because if one passenger requires a longer check-in, well, the next passenger just goes to the next available agent and the queue keeps moving. 
One last example that's common in product development. Imagine you're leading a team. You don't have enough people on the team to handle the tasks filling the backlog. You want to get the most work done though, so you ensure that each team member always has work assigned. New work keeps coming in, work piles up, and it takes longer and longer to finish anything. Eventually, burnout sets in. This last example demonstrates capacity utilization's impact on throughput. If capacity utilization is high, then there's no overhead for variability and processing time. This is certainly true in product development when every Jira ticket feels like a bespoke piece of work. The variability doesn't even have to come from the work itself. Inevitably, something will interrupt the work or unplanned work will be injected into the queue. Pagers buzz, bug reports come in, someone's machine is broken. All of these are common in IT. This brings up another important variable in queuing theory. It's simply how long the queue is. The team in this example needs to tackle two ends of their problem to exit the death spiral. One end is reducing the number of items in the backlog. The other end is reducing the workload on each team member to account for the variation in each ticket and the inevitable unplanned work. These are not anecdotal suggestions. These are truths found in queuing theory. Kingman's formula approximates the average waiting time in a queue. It demonstrates the negative impact of high utilization on wait times. Wait times are reasonable under 60% utilization, but they start doubling after that. This is because there's no free capacity to handle variability in processing times. Now you may be thinking, okay, Adam, I'll focus on standardizing work to reduce variability in processing time, and I'll keep capacity utilization down. Problem solved. Well, almost. That only accounts for the work after it has arrived at the queue. How work arrives at the queue is another variable in queuing theory. In our case, the work is random and independent. This specific math changes based on that assumption, say a first in first out queue or a last in first out queue. But luckily, there's a law that applies to queues irrespective to any of these assumptions. Little's law states that wait time is equal to queue size divided by processing rate. The remarkable thing about Little's law is that wait time only depends on queue size and processing rate. Practically nothing else matters. We can control processing rate by adjusting the number of servers and tackling variability. Or we could tackle the numerator instead and focus on reducing queue size. This has a larger impact on wait times and applies irrespective to tuning the processing rate. Queuing theory leaves us with two important lessons that apply directly to knowledge work. Lesson one, loading people and resources to 100% creates exponential wait times. Lesson two, prioritize keeping queue size down since that reduces utilization and has a larger impact on throughput than addressing processing rate. There are also a few rules of thumb for applying these lessons. Focus on keeping work in progress or WIP low. WIP limits act as a backstop for limiting capacity utilization. Also, strive for an optimal batch size. Hint, smaller batch is better, but find the optimal batch size for your system. There is such a thing as too small of a batch size. 
If you'd like to learn more about queuing theory and its impact on software delivery, then I recommend the book Principles of Product Development Flow by Donald Reinertsen. Or if you want something less technical, then I recommend Making Work Visible by Dominica DeGrandis. You've just completed another episode of Small Batches. If you enjoyed this show, then please share it with your friends and colleagues. You can subscribe to this podcast by going to smallbatches.fm. And if you'd like, you can join the waitlist for the Small Batches Slack app at smallbatches.io. Thank you for listening and see you all again next time.